Welcome to another episode of Prison Bosses. Uh, this week, I'm so excited to have my friend here, someone that I actually grew up with, uh, William Rivez, on the show, uh, and he'll be talking about beautiful mind and creating the life you want to have. Now, Will is a pillar within the community. Um, he's someone who's turned himself around, and today he runs the Coco House, which he gives back, and he helps a lot of the local youth. Um, Will does the 518 Talk series, and um, also does the annual uh, holiday uh, Secret Santa Claus. Random Santa drops and drops. So um, I'm gonna let Will get to tell his story. We'll start with a little bit of, you know, led you into incarceration, being incarceration, but more so how we got to where we are today. Well, the interesting thing about about me is, is uh, I grew up in, in, in a decent home. My mother worked. She was in the military. Uh, she was a Schenectady County Sheriff. I was raised. I, I knew the difference between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother was a minister. Um, so I, I was the kid on the block who was never supposed to get arrested. You know, I I was the one who went to church every Sunday. I was the one who was at Bible study on Wednesday. I was in the choir. Uh, Out of everybody, I was the one everybody had their, like, their hopes and dreams invested in. And what happened to me really was is I woke up one day and made a choice to live a negative life. It wasn't peer pressure. It wasn't because my father was there. It wasn't because of none of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Like, I'll never make an excuse for what I did. I have too much integrity and understand the dynamic too much to, to say, nah, you know, I did this because my mom wasn't there. Nah, nah. Everything I did was a choice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it wasn't my mm-hmm. friend's fault. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So so what I chose to do was I chose to be involved in gangs and drugs. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it was we were living in a very difficult time. My mom was working. She got injured. Um, and while she was injured, she she was out of work for a little while. So while she was out of work, you know what I'm saying, as the oldest child, I took it upon myself to try to make a little bit of extra money. Um, And throughout the time, you know, I went through like a a 10 year span where I was just in the streets. And it really started off as something small. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like it started out with with just, you know, hold the pack here or hold the pack there. Because because, again, it's not like the streets was my interest. Right, right. Because you came from a totally different background. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't my interest. It wasn't anything. I was, it was just became a choice at one. You know, and really, it was in a matter of a few days. Monetary gain too. Yeah. That's really what it was too, right? The, 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 the part of what influenced my choice was I don't know if you remember, like back in like 1999, when there was a heavy gang influx. Okay. People were getting yeah, shot, yeah, cut, yeah, yeah. stabbed. Like it was. It was it was it was violent. It was you know crazy. What I'm nah, I remember. And I and people that I grew up with, young people, were losing their lives, bro, losing That's their freedom. Right. That's been right. And it got to a point where the violence hit my front door. You know what I'm saying? My my, my stepfather was he was jumped by some gang members from New York City right in front of the house. You know what I'm saying? Right right out in front of the house. And you know, I sat there as a kid, like 15, 16, like feeling helpless, like like yo, what can I do to that? And you know, it was some some friends from the community who we was like, we was sitting around talking and they were really talking. I was just there listening and they like, listen, we can't, we got to protect ourselves. You know what I'm saying? We just can't let anybody just, people are getting hurt, you know, so. So, so this was a local, we want to protect our yeah, home base yeah, more so because we got people coming from other areas. Yeah, bro, because it was, it was, listen, it was a youth from areas, you remember, it was bad. Nah, I so it went from 
from from that to now it's a lifestyle. You see what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. I, now, now I'm fighting at school, and this was yep. this was my senior year, the very first time I ever got suspended <laughs> for for inciting a gang riot at at Schenectady High School. You know what I'm saying? Yes, me, me and some, me and some friends, like we, we set off a whole chain of where you couldn't even wear do rags in the school, mm-hmm. no color flag, no nothing. So you're the reason that they changed all that. Yes, yes. <laughs> me and me and a couple of other friends. Uh, one of my friends who may hear this, he he started it because he threw somebody through the glass windows in the science wing. That friend is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so the interesting thing about it was, is like we were kids. Um, and one of the greatest things I can ever give anybody a vision of what that time was, I remember being 17 years old and me and my friends coming outside and us being the oldest men on the block. Mm. Mm. How there, powerful is there were no men in the community. Right. Right. If they were, they were in prison on the way home from prison, yeah. addicted to drugs. But as far as fathers, uncles, men in our life, positive men in community, there wasn't any, bro. You know what? And I, I just want to touch on that because I think. What you're doing is beautiful. Uh, what uh, John and Albany is doing is beautiful. Like we're we're finally getting men to stand up and be pillars in the communities again. And our youth need that because a lot of them are lacking. That's you. A lot of them are lacking a positive male role model within their households and then still within the communities today. So uh, what you're doing today actually is a direct reflection of what the 17-year-old you realized was missing in our area. So yeah. I, I commend you for that. Uh, no, I thank you. And, you know, it, it led back to at that point in time where all we had was us. You know what I'm saying? So so and not, and not being raised by men to teach you how to handle situations or respond positively, we responded how we seen in movies and how we heard in music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... So while we weren't violent kids, right. we now, the violence perpetuated itself. So now we right. had no choice but to involve ourselves in certain situations. Yep, yep. Because anywhere you went, Roa Rama, there was, there was the issue. 32 police cars right. that came right. to stop us from what was happening. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. it, was, it became so large scale that like I found, I found us and my friends like on the once a week when my friends was getting arrested or somebody was getting killed. Mm-hmm. There was th- so as a kid, you become desensitized. You become desensitized to a quick, correct? Because again, as a ch- as a youth, you're pure. You're innocent. You don't know violence. Right, right, right. right. But when you're four, when, when certain things start to happen, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Automatically, a switch turns on, and now this is the life you're living. So true. So true. It you know, automatically turns to like it's survival. It becomes survival at that point. So now, in terms of that, so basically, what ended up. Uh, Causing you to go to jail and become <laughs> not listening to my mother. Honestly, what's interesting about it is, is I, I had been involved in drugs for a little while. So it was about nine o'clock in the morning. Me and my friends we was out at the club the night before. Mm. I got up in the morning. I'm like, I'm like, I'm about to head out to the store. My mom was like, Yo, listen, it's hot outside. If you got anything on you, right. don't do it. Right. I said, Nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. For y'all listeners who don't know, hot outside. Doesn't mean just the weather. That means like <laughs> the police are out, the, the detectives are out patrolling. So be careful because uh, <laughs> yeah. you can go to jail today. So I went around the corner to the corner store um, and I was in the corner store getting a Dutch. 
And on the way out the store, a guy stops me. He's like, yo, I got a hundred right now. Nobody was outside. I'm like, it's like nine in the morning. It's like, yo, I got a hundred dollars right now. I'm like, oh, word. Like, let me get that. Yeah, I got you. Reached in my pocket. No sooner did I pull the drugs out of my pocket, the police were sitting at the corner. And the thing was, it's, it's eight something in the morning. I'm tired. I ain't got it. I'm not running. I ain't fighting. But listen, you got it. You got it. And one of the hardest things for me was uh, as I stood there and they were putting me in the car, my mother came running around the corner. And she's yelling, screaming at the officers. And I'm looking at her face and she's, she's trying to fight for me. Like, he didn't do nothing. How old were you at this point? 19? 19. 19? her baby get like, Yeah, uh, 19. And, and, and she looked at me. She was like, he didn't do nothing. I'm like, I'm like, Ma, stop. I, I. Mm. And she just put her head down like this. And and the thing was, is while that moment was embarrassing for me, it wasn't the worst. Mm. It was when I got downtown to the city jail, I sat down there for a while. You know, and, and some of the officers that were there, they knew my mom. So, like, you know, they had comments and whatnot. Right. But I was in my, I was in my, I was in my gangster mode. Correct, correct. I'm saying, correct. I'm good. Like, yep, yep, yep. Meanwhile, truthfully, Inside, right? Truthfully, like, I was, oh. listen, I was sick, bro. <laughs> sick. Because here's the fact. Here's the fact. Here's what nobody ever tells you, right? Everybody will glorify prison. They'll glorify jail. They'll yeah. glorify incarceration. Yeah. But nobody will tell you how much it sucks when that steel hits your wrists. How true is that? How about, how about when 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 the when you gotta bend over and squat Bro. or you know stuff yeah. like that? How embarrassing yeah. is that? How how degrading is that on a human being level to have to go through those things? You know who's why are we glorifying having to be away from your family for months, years yeah. at a time? You know, yeah. so I agree wholeheartedly. And, and the thing was, is the whole ride down, all I could think to myself was, I'm gonna get laughed at for getting caught. It wasn't the fact that I embarrassed my mom. Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't any. It was like, mm. I'm not gonna justify I got knocked because now I gotta call my man. I didn't bring no bread out with me for for bail. Right, right, you know what I'm saying? Right, he right, just right. caught me on the humble right, and the first right, thing in the morning. Right. So all my bread and everything put away. I got now. I gotta call my man. Like, listen, I'm downtown yep. for for possession. I need you to come down. Yep. And yep. so he, you know, he came and whatnot. But but the worst part about it was is I'm sitting down there and. Because of who my mother was, the process moved faster for me. So I didn't stay in the city like most mm-hmm. people would have. They, they, within a few hours, they had me in the county comfortable. You know what I'm saying? But the thing was, is I like I sat in the birdcage and I'm sitting there. And I, and, and I remember slow motion, bro. I remember hearing the keys. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Jingle. I hear the jingle. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sitting in this cage by myself. And I watched my mother walk around the corner in her gear. It never occurred to me she had to work that day. Yeah. I just seen her running down the street, up next to the car, crying, yelling, let me go mm. because of what I did. And now I'm watching her come to my come mm. to this birdcage in her uniform, tears in her face. You know what I'm saying? Like, and not no, mm. not no, you know, I'm upset at you, tears, but like, like I ripped her heart out, tears, right. bro. Right. And and my mother, she took me, she my mother fingerprinted me. My mother, my mother, they let my mother strip me. They let my mother give me my gear. They let my mother, the last face I saw when I got to myself was my mother. She walked me through the entire process, bro. And, and the whole time I remember, the whole time I remember, I couldn't look her in her face. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's, mm. I, I, all I'm thinking is how long did it even take you to, to get past that level of what, how would you, uh, Regret or, or years. disappointment. 
years because because of the mode I was in. Mm-hmm. I, the thing about me with my mentality was is I can only go one way. So if I'm going negative, I'm going 100 percent negative. Right. I'm going positive, right. just like you see right. now. I'm going 100 percent positive. Right. Right. So right. so even with that situation. You know what I'm saying? The 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 the, the mode I was in, the mask I was wearing, mm-hmm. wouldn't allow me to feel what it was I was supposed to feel. I would always remember it and bookmark it. You see what I'm saying? Right. So so when it was time, yep, 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 I could refer yep, back yep, to it. Yep, yep, yep. But I was still I still I was stuck in the streets for another nine years oh, after, after that. that. Yeah. So yeah. with that particular case, because that leads us to yeah. our topic about copping out. Yeah. Um. In that, did you end up copping out to that particular case, or how did that work out? Yeah, because I didn't know no better. I, I didn't. I didn't. Mm-hmm. This wasn't me. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah. I didn't know yeah. not to say nothing, yeah. not to yeah. sign nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. So my thing was is when it got and, and, and the beautiful thing about it is that was always the integrity in me. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, like I don't mind telling you that I did it. It's whatever. Whatever you're gonna do, you're gonna do because I'm already here. That's right. So, That's so right. when I'm sitting in in the Western name and they like. All right, well, you're looking at one to three. And I said, okay. Right. You know what I'm saying? Where do I never? Like, <laughs> yep, yep, because, yep. But again, that's that that's that mode because you hear this is this is you're earning your strikes right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like, from, like this from your peers. Yeah, right, from right, my, yep, I'm yep. earning my strikes yep, right yep, now. Yep, so yep. so as I'm sitting there, when I got in front of the judge, you know what I'm saying? My mother was there, mm-hmm. whoever was there and whatnot, the lawyer was there, and we sitting there. And 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 what's interesting was I remember the judge saying, like, I don't know how you got here. There's some something's not right about this. And he's like, you didn't argue, mm-hmm. you didn't mm-hmm. fight, mm-hmm. you didn't run. Mm-hmm. You said I did it. You signed the paper and you went back to your cell and went to sleep. Right. I said, yeah. I said, because the same way I made a decision to get myself into this, I understand the consequences. I'm not making no excuses. Right. And the judge looked at me and was like, all right, six months, six, uh, six months in which I was in Schenectady County for three, four, yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yep. Five years probation. Right, right. And that's how that situation worked out. But it wasn't as if because of that one situation, things got better for me. No, in fact, they got worse because I felt like, OK, well, now all I know is I got to be honest. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't got to get a, I don't got to pay for a lawyer because because people don't respect the fact that I take mine. This is what I convinced yeah, 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 myself yeah, 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 yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. And the interesting thing about it is, is I wanted to go to prison because all my friends was going. Mm, how powerful is that? I wanted to go to prison because all of my friends were... I, listen, I'm going to tell you 100%. I was upset that every time I got caught for something, I never went. <laughs> I felt bad. on me in the county. I'm right. trying to get my stripes up. No. I, listen, I felt bad. Yeah, 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 listen, yeah, yeah, it yeah. bothered me so much mm. that I just tried to do something worse afterwards. To get yourself yes. so that you could get to that yes, point. Yes, because in my mind, I'm not... I've, I've, been, I've been to four different counties... On four or five different occasions, I ain't made to the prison yet. I ain't doing this right. right. I ain't, I'm not valid. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Seriously. Wow, you're right. You're right. That's the mentality. That, that's that's, the that's mentality. really where I was. Like, And the last one in which the judge is in Albany, it just said to me, listen, we offering you three to five. Mm. Okay. I, whatever. You know, I... I know the process now. Right, 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 right. I know. Yep. I'm good. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. We ain't got to draw this out. Yep. You ain't got to go back and talk about it. I did it. Right. It's whatever. Give me my time. Listen, right. get it started now. I can get right. back and watch CSI. Right. Let's just let's move. Because that's where I was. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And 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 when the judge looked at me, it was Neil Breslin. Oh, I had Breslin too. Listen, 
Bro, it was Breslin. But so keep going. I'm not even gonna nah, then the, the crazy the way life works out is interesting. So he says we're offering you three to five, right? So we go back in the back, I'm talking to the public uh defender, and he's like, Listen, you know, you you know, because you 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 know you got in trouble before, this is mm-hmm. what it could be. Mm-hmm. But I can get him to be a little bit lenient on you. I said, listen, I said, to be honest with you, I don't really care. Mm. At this point, mm. it is what it is. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, mm. like, mm. like at this point, I'm ready for whatever. Right, right. I've been preparing for this. For this right. I've been prepping right, right, for this. Right, 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 right. Get me on the bus and let me go. Right. I know ready. what to expect. I'm people ready. Already told yeah. me, like, my yeah, pick, my right. peoples is all over. So right, right. I get I'm good. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever. Yep, 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 I've been waiting yep. for this. When we got back in front of Judge Breslin, he looked at me and he says, you know what? He says, I can't do it. He says, as much as you deserve to go to prison, mm. I can't do it. Right. And I'm looking at And he's supposed to be wait, one of the toughest in the Me, yep. him, and everybody in there, we're all looking at each other like, yep. he says, you know what? This is your last opportunity. He said, because for some reason, you got the wrong information. He says, you think what you're doing, you're out here yes. by any means necessary. You got to make money to take care of your daughter. Mm. He says, I understand that sense of, of Dependability, I get it. Mm. But your decision making is off. You got the wrong information. Mm. He says, so this is it. Eight months, five years probation and opening. So how much time in total did you end up having probation-wise? Uh five years the first time, and I got violated twice mm. in Schenectady. Uh five years in opening. Wow. And I got violated once in opening. So now, do you think, uh, well, could you elaborate on, like, for those listeners who are younger or might be in the first time in trouble on on the, on having a public defender fighting in, in you know, fighting the case from within if, if you never bailed out? Because these are all factors in yeah. copping out that yeah. we essentially often do cop out because of. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is if you don't know, the public defender can tell you anything. And the thing is, is their job is to make stuff easy. Right. Not for you. Right. It's to make it easy for the system. Correct. <laughs> because these people, the judge, the public defender, the attorneys, they all play golf together and eat lunch together. You are a commonplace conversation for them. All things I didn't know. Right. So you got this person standing next to you that you think is fighting for you. Mm. And really, they're just trying to get you your case signed off on Correct. so they can move on to what the they're doing. Right. You know what I'm saying? So so the big thing in upstate New York is six, five splits. Right. Right. With people not right. really understanding that the five is a trap. Correct. Because they know they're going to get you on a violation or right. charge somewhere within, somewhere within that your five can turn to seven real yep. quick. Real quick. And just keep adding it on. Yep. Agree. Agree. And the thing is, is not knowing that. To be honest, had I known then what I know now, mm-hmm. I would have never have taken it. Now, nah, just give me just the give straight me time. Give me the straight time. Yep. Yep. I'm good. Yep. 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 Because yep. the five is the trap. Correct. So now also in terms of, uh, I know, did you did you end up staying in for any of the cases, like fighting your case from within, or did you always end up bailing out? Again? No, the one in Albany, I didn't want to, I, I, I just, I didn't want, it wasn't worth it. Sad in Albany, I didn't know, no. Because it, because you know what it wasn't at this point because I had my mind made up. Right. It was not just put keep the money away, take mm-hmm. care of the family. Mm-hmm. I'm leave me. Mm-hmm. I'm good, man. Like let my take the let my daughter be good. Make sure she good. You know what I'm saying? As long as she got a roof and what she need, I'm all right where I'm at. I'm I don't, I'm let me ride this one out because I need to. I'm with you. I'm with I need you. to. I need to. And you know what? You said a lot of really powerful things. Uh, you mentioned um. 
all we have is us. And that's powerful because all we have is us was the same language you were speaking when you were talking gang life. Yeah. All we have is us, I'm sure, was the same thing you were speaking in church. <laughs> all we have is us is the same thing I'm sure you we 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 speak this today in Absolutely. terms of positivity and, and good good guys and people yeah. in the neighborhood. So the mindset of all we have is us is powerful, but the us is really what's powerful. Who you're surrounding yourself with. Would you like to elaborate on that a little? Yeah. Well, the thing was is when I was involved in the streets, right? I, I was sur- I surrounded myself. I wasn't surrounded. Nobody forced me. I surrounded myself mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. who were of of a very certain cloth. You know what I'm saying? Which is why most of the people I ran, when they went to prison, they went to prison for 15 years. I, I to life, People are going to prison for life. Correct, correct. Yep. People were yep. losing yep. their lives. Yep. And people weren't getting one to threes. Which is why for me, yes. and, and, and growing up in a situation in which I got 10 friends, we all get money. He gets 15, he gets killed, he gets 20, he gets 8. I'm sitting in the spot by myself. I ain't been locked yet. You know what I tell myself? Oh, it's coming. I'm next. Right, 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 and when right, it right, don't right. happen, you start to feel regret. Like, yo, I'm going to look crazy. Because all my people is. But, that's, but, but that comes from me being around a certain type. I was always around real people. Stand what, up individual. What I will say is this. I'm thankful for the individuals I was around in the streets because they saw something in me I couldn't. Mm. So mm. when people went to ride to put work in, I can't tell you how many times I was in the car ready to go give away my life and my freedom, and people was like, "No, you get out the car." Mm. That's powerful, and it bothered me because I couldn't understand. But I, now I get it. They saw something in me I couldn't see in myself. They believed in. I was ready. They believed in. I was ready to ride. Like you know what I'm saying? Right, right like for the cause. Whatever. You you the one that you could actually be different. Like get out this car. We don't want you in this car. And, and I couldn't. I was angry about that. Listen, oh, yeah, I was yeah, yeah, angry nah, about definitely, it. Because in my mind, you know what I'm telling myself? Straight. Oh, you don't think I'm about that life. Yes, yes, I'm yes, all yes, the way yes, with yes, it. Yes, 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 yes. And, and the more I look at my life, what's interesting is, is I look back and I see now, it's kind of like uh, the movie 300 with Spartans. Mm. When, dude, when the guy got injured to his eye, Leonidas said, no, you need to leave. He's like, well, why? I'm ready to die. Right. No, somebody needs to tell the story. Correct. So I think about the individual. I think about the individuals I was around and the decisions they made. And I say to myself, they weren't bad people. They made bad decisions. So true. So true. You know what I'm saying? And they're being held accountable for that. But but the the love they showed me in certain situations in which I was ready to do whatever. Mm. And they was like, nah, you can't go. To the point where OG was like, nah, you can't come here. Mm. I can't come here to get shot up. Mm. I can't get in the car. There's a car chase. And seeing all this stuff happen so closely, being like, yo, I was in that car. Mm. Yo, I was in that spot. Mm. Yo, I was just with him before he got killed. And to see so much of this around me, like, when everybody was going, it made me depressed mm. because I almost didn't have a sense of purpose no more. I see what you're saying. So now, with that same feeling of depression and, and not having a purpose, um, and knowing that to cop out essentially means to quit, to give it, yeah. throw in the flag, right? How were you able to turn yourself around and in life now to this day, how do you avoid copping out on yourself? Throughout most of this, I have a daughter. And when I had my daughter, something started to change. A small seed was planted. And in my conversation, I knew eventually I had to get out. Because if I didn't, I was going to die or go to prison forever. 
there was no two ways about it. Mm -hmm. So I started making decisions and separating myself. I wasn't fully out. I wasn't there yet. But I started planning, trying to find a way. Mm -hmm. Upon my last incarceration, right? Which was, I was last released from Albany County Jail on April, no, no, January 15th of 2010. Eight years ago. And when I walked, the interesting thing about it is, they came to get me for a probation violation because I moved from Albany to Schenectady. Um, me, no, me and my daughter's mother, we were in a bad space. And it wasn't because we was in a bad space. I was in a bad space. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I didn't, because of my depression and where I was at, I didn't see value in relationships, friendship. I didn't see value in life, period. So I actually, in, in the newspaper, this was actually in the Daily Gazette because I talked about it with uh, community fathers. So in Washington Park, down they have the little playhouse yep. where they do the plays and stuff. Yep. Right there, there's a pond out there, yep, right? Yep, yep, yep. So I, me and my daughter's mother got into an argument. I was, I went down there. I slept in the park, right in Washington Park on a park bench. Mm-hmm. And I stood in front of that water and I called my mother at two o'clock in the morning. I told her, I said, yo, listen, I don't ever want you to have to look for my body. I'll be at the bottom of this water. I'm going to kill myself right now. I just, because you're my mother, I don't want you to worry. You know what I'm saying? I didn't ask her to stop. I didn't ask for help. Nothing. This is just a true story. And she says to me, she says, William, I love you. I've instilled everything in you. Everything. You have the tools to fix this. She said, but you're choosing not to. There's nothing I can do for you. And at that moment, and while I told myself she had given up on me, it's not until now that I understand. No, she was telling me to rely on everything she had already instilled into you. That's right. And the thing was, is when I hung up that phone, I said to myself, like, my mom don't care, so whatever. But part of what she, the last thing she said to me was, I need you to call this gentleman and he can help you. That gentleman was Walter Simpkins. Really? For community? I called him at three o'clock in the morning. Never met him, knew him, nothing. And the oddest thing happened. He picked up the phone. He picked up the phone and I just started rambling. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. Who is this and what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) So I slowed down. I started talking to him and he he was listening. He says to me, says, William, I know your mom. He says, I need you to do one thing. One thing I need you to do and that's it. He says, make it through tonight. And I'm saying to myself, how? It's October. It's cold out. The police put me out my house in basketball shorts and a wife beater. I'm freezing. I ain't got no food. I got nothing. Like, and you're telling me to make it? Do this next. How? Right. And the oddest thing, I went and sat on the park bench. And as I was sitting there, it was midnight, middle of the night, pitch black in, in Washington Park. And then in a snap, it was morning. Gone. It was morning. And I walked to the bus stop and <laughs> Tony Garcia, who I played football with, his father was driving the CDTA. And his father looked at me. He says, don't even say nothing. Get on the bus. Mm. He said, don't even. Mm. Uh-uh. He said, get on the bus. I didn't have no money enough. I'm just like mm. tears coming down my right, face. Right, right, right. He said, don't say a word. Get on the bus. That was 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And since then, you've never copped out on yourself again. Never. And. And the reason being is because when they violated me the last time, what was interesting was, and that's when I moved to Schenectady, mm-hmm. when they violated me, um, I sat in a cell. And because I had violence against police at some point, 
whenever I was going through what I was going through, they put me in clouds and classification in Albany County for 33 days. Are you serious? 23 and 1s for 33 straight days. Like being in the box. And I had this old gentleman who always used to come to my cell in the morning, and he says, I need to speak to you. And I'm like, yeah, what? And he says to me, he says, I don't think you understand who you are. And I'm like, you don't even know me. What are you talking about? Like, what are you, I'm not hearing nothing you talk about. And every day he would come and talk to me. And so on the 33rd day, when they let me out uh, of, to General Pop, to General Pop mm-hmm. I came out and I'm looking around all crazy and whatnot. And I've been in this 23 and one, I'm feeling wild, crazy. Back, back. Like I, I had punched the walls and cracked my knuckles and everything because I was just, I was going through my own process. So I came out and he met me at the table and he says, I want you to see something. He says, for 30 something days, you've been in that cell. He says, every morning you get up, you get your food, you work out, you read, you work out some more. He says, I have your day structured. And I'm like, well, why? What are you paying that much attention to me for? He says, no, I want you to see something. And I'm like, okay, what? He's like, "Ah." he said, look around. Now in Albany, when they bring you in, they had, there's their A by A, B, C. There's 50 man cells, 25 up top, 25 at the bottom. He says, look around. And I'm looking around and I'm watching everybody get up and do this. He says, they've been watching you for 30 something days. Everybody in here. He says, and look around, people doing what you do every morning. Oh, I get it. He said, he says, you're a natural born leader and you don't even realize it. I'm like, a leader? I thought, I mean, what are you talking about? Lead what? I mean, time, right? what, are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, so every day he would sit down and build with me and, and, and he finally says to me, he says, your problem is, is you listen to the world. You listen to people tell you you was crazy. You listen to people tell you that you had authority issues, that you were angry, that you were mad. You listen, you bought that nonsense. He says, no, you're a natural born leader. And he says, because it affected other people or made them feel some sort of way. You bought into it. Right. You dug, right. you dimmed your own life you to the world. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, didn't yeah, dim yeah, your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did it. Wow. And upon that last, that last you know what I'm saying? I, 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 the rest of my time was really easy. When I went to the judge and he was like, again, it was one of those situations that was so interesting. No, it sounds, it sounds like <laughs> you were, you honestly have had, I call them Mufasa moments. Uh, from the Lion King. I don't know if you remember, but mm-hmm. there was one part where the uh, baboon uh, he he ran Simba through the things and he made him look in the water yeah. and made him look at himself. And then from he he said, "You don't even know who you are." Yeah. You know what I mean? And he he had to reflect, and then he was able to pull from everything within that his father had taught him. The same way your mother was able <laughs> to say, "I gave you all these tools. You need to figure it out now." So. You had your Mufasa moment, and that's that aha. Yeah. Now I got to get it together. So, and I mean, there was also some, you said a lot of great things in that segment. Um, the one uh, another thing that really stood out to me, and something that I always try to tell the youth is, don't let others' uh, opinion or views of you dictate who you are. You know what I mean? And like you just said, the the gentleman said you bought into what everyone else said you were. And there's going to be teachers or people in school that might tell some of our youth you're stupid. Mm-hmm. You'll never be nothing. Uh, just like Miss Ange at, at the 518 talk said, you know, they told her she wouldn't be nothing. But she was able to use that and, and turn that into her motivation to prove everyone wrong. And a lot of times I think people, instead of using it as motivation, they, they just accept it. They said, I'm stupid, so I'm stupid. And so I think uh, just... From what you just said, which was so powerful and everything you said, but 
I would encourage others to understand that what other people view you as, if someone says you're a felon, no, it's you're an ex-felon because you're past that. Um, if someone tells you you can't do something, no, that's just their opinion because they can't do it. Don't don't accept no. So um, you did all of those things and that's how you've been able to turn yourself around. And so I would like to just uh, uh, just going into a whole nother segment called the beautiful mind, because I think this is when you were starting to have changes about your self imagery. You were starting to utilize your brain. And so, um, so with that being said, so what was your, we know your mindset before jail, you were, you were in the streets, you're hungry survival. Like you, you're living up to that after this Mufasa moment, what's your mindset now? Well, when I got back to Schenectady and met with Walter, he originally said to me, he said, there's something about you that's different. And I'm like, I, I hear you. And, and what's great about it was this was the time when people were just starting to hear about President about Obama. So Walter, what he did was he started to be taken to these different meetings and movements. So I'm coming right out the streets from washing dishes, out of incarceration to now I'm in. I'm in seminars and and in these conferences and I'm sitting around all these powerful people and I'm. I'm intimidated because I'm like, I've been around power before street power. I've been around people who can push the button and make something happen on the other side of the thing. So I've been around that, but this is different. So Walter says to me, as I'm going to community founding group and he keeps instilling certain things to me, you know what I'm saying? Um, I had three years left on probation Mm -hmm. and I remember going to community fathers group saying like, man, listen, I don't need it. You know what I'm saying? Like, at this point, I understand what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't need this no more. And and Walter said to me, he says, if what you're saying is you want to go to jail, well, then that's what's going to end up happening. As he thinketh, so shall he be. Mm -hmm. He says, so you putting that out the air, you're you're setting it up so it'll happen. Mm -hmm. A week later, I'm at work at Glenn Sanders' mansion. My wife, who was my girlfriend then, she called me. She says, William, they're coming. I already knew she was talking about probation. Now, I wasn't on the run from probation. All I did was change my address. I didn't, I didn't violate. I didn't do nothing. All I did was change my address. Here's the beautiful thing about life, right? So my manager, Matt Mazzone, pulls up to the uh, warehouse that I was at. He comes in. There. I'm in there washing dishes. He's like, Will, what's going on? I said, what do you mean? He said, I just got a car. I said, I can only imagine. I said, it's probation. I said, they're probably going to come get me. He, he's like, yeah, they're parked right outside. There's like 10 officers because I had violence. Oh, yeah. yeah. They sent 10 officers, machine gun, everything. They went to my house like that. And my wife scared to That's death. how she knew. They're on their That's way. how she knew. Because right they came down. Right, so right, she was right, like, right. yo. Um, way. Yep. And my thing was, is again, in being me and a man of integrity, I'm not running. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. Like, I didn't even do nothing wrong. So you're, come get me. The day this happened was the same day President Obama came here to speak at Russell Sage College in Albany. The very same day. That was January 21st, 2011, I want to say, or 10, one of the two. Somewhere around there. 2009. Oh, 2009? Yes. All right. So he, he came yeah. twice. Oh, yeah. So I must he came twice. My daughter was born yep. on the second time. 2009 is when right, he came right. the first time. Gotcha. Same day. So I'm standing there. Matt's like, listen, do you need anything? I said, listen, all I need from you is the day I get out, I need my job back. That's it. I don't need. I don't need no bail. I don't need no commissary. I'm listen. I'm. I'm. I'm telling you, I'm good. Right. I didn't do nothing wrong, mm. but I want to get. The, I need to get rid of this. I need to get this over get with. This over with. Yep. 
my probation officer's name was Brett Barnard. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you his name for a reason. And in a minute, you'll, you'll understand. So they came, right? Five cars, they hop out, guns out, all that, right? And I'm sitting there looking at him like, he's like, well, listen, you know, the address change. You know, you didn't send me a list, it's whatever. All right, come on, get on the ground. I'm not getting on the ground. I'm not getting on the ground. You're going to arrest me. Arrest me. That's fine. I'm going to come peacefully. I'm not getting on the ground. I lit a cigarette. I smoked that cigarette sitting there. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what it is. Like, like DMX and Ben. Like, it's, it's making it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they put me in the car. I remember the last thing they did before I they took me to Albany was they stopped at the Albany airport. And I got to sit there. And we're standing there, and he let me smoke a cigarette. And he's like, well, well, you know, the address changed. I said, man, listen, I'm done. I don't need this, this situation anymore. And ain't got nothing to do with you. Right, right. I said, but look at me in my face. I said, I want you to understand. You'll this will never happen again. Mm. Never. Mm. Are, are you threatening? I'm not threatening. I'm, I'm making you a promise. That's right. This will never happen again. And the next time I see you, our situation is going to be different. I went in. I did my, did, did my couple months. When I got out, I was with community fathers. I was with community fathers for seven years. I've been at my job down to my program for eight. Mm. I started from the very bottom as a volunteer, worked my way up. I'm a director. I've been a director there for six years. I was a director of community fathers and out to my program at the same time, simultaneously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A year and a half ago, parole walks into my office. Whenever they get new officers, they come into the office, say hello, we meet, talk. So... Uh, at your job. Yeah. At your, at your yep. job right? yep. They come in the office. This big six foot seven guy walks in the office and he starts laughing. I look at him and I start laughing. Everybody else in the room is like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> he looked at me. He says, you freaking said it. He said, seven years ago, I locked you up and you said to me, I was going to see you again. He says, I've been hearing your name mm. and the work that you're doing in the community for years now. Mm. And he said, I had no idea it was you. And the rest of these guys are looking there like, wait. And then they said, what? He says, I locked him up. And the very last thing he said to me when I dropped him off in Albany County was, I'm going to see you again. Mm. And he says, now to see you and hear what you're doing, he says, listen, he says, if I die today, I am happy knowing that one did it. He says, he says, yo, I can't wait to go home and tell my wife. I know he was excited. <laughs> we share those stories a lot. Now, what, in terms of that, how important do you, well, looking back at it now, do you, do you correlate your mindset, that change in your mind, knowing I'm not doing this again? Like, I'm going to yeah. get this over with. So you realize that it was a whole shift in your yeah. mind that, that got you to. The same way the switch went on, it's the same way the switch went on. Because we as individuals, we have that power. We don't believe we do, mm -hmm. but we have it. When you make a decision to change your life, yes. whether for right or for wrong, you can follow through with it. Right. You just got to have the, 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 the integrity, the fortitude to, to make the decisions that come with it. Agreed. So when I made that decision, that's what it was. And so with that being said, how important is the brain to you? Extremely important. Because even after I made the decision, I still, the last thing to go for me which was the hardest thing was the addiction. It wasn't the, it wasn't the, it wasn't the gangs. It wasn't the violence. Right. It wasn't selling drugs. It was using drugs that came with the life. Correct. Smoking Correct. weed, popping pills. Correct. Correct. And, and my wife is really the one who was the final piece of motivation that I needed. She was the one that triggered the last piece of the change. Mm.
because she came to me one day and said to me, she looked at me and she says, you don't even understand. You have the opportunity to change lives. You're throwing away because you're a drug addict. And that, listen, what, what, but it was, but it was what I needed because at that moment I stopped popping pills. I stopped using, I stopped smoking. I stopped smoking weed that very minute. And my wife will tell you at that minute, I took whatever little bit of weed I had left and threw it in the garbage. She was like, are you sure? Um, no, you're challenging me. No, 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 we're good. We're good. You know, one thing I love. Even just from sitting and talking with you is seeing how when you have your mind made to something, good or bad, you're going to attack it fearlessly. And then not only are you going to attack it, you're going to own it. So right or wrong, you're going to hold hold the accountability. You're going to accept the praise or you're going to accept the consequence. But either way, this is me. Love it. So now, um, do you ever like meditate? Yes, I do. I usually, what I usually do is, is once my day is over and, you know, me and my wife spent our time when she goes to sleep, I'm usually up from about midnight to one, one thirty in the morning, taking time. And that's when I reflect. That's when, when, when I'm thankful. That's when I'm, I'm extremely at peace because it's in those moments I go through everything that I've been through. I go through the, 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 the gunfights in front of my house in which when everybody else was running, I d- was naive. I didn't know how to run mm. because mm. I, because I was taught. Mm. How powerful is that? All right. And I asked that because, you know, I, I, I myself, I meditate and I didn't find that. I never knew the importance of meditation um, until probably maybe within the last five years or so, I would say. And um, for me personally, you know, I meditate in the morning, I meditate at night. And same thing like you, I reflect at night, but in the morning, I craft out my day. This is how my day is going to be. And I've realized from it happening time and time again, if I can envision it, if I can see it, it becomes a reality. So I can literally, like, I I was here already today. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and, so, um, and so with that being said, I think they don't teach the importance of just and I don't think people people sometimes think meditation you got to sit somewhere and humming and doing all of that. No, you just got to be still, being in, in, in quiet, still, and and just in tune with yourself and your thoughts. And um, but they don't teach our children that. No. And um, is that something that you think should be taught to our children? Is that something you teach the children within the yeah, community? But well, that's the way systematic oppression works. They'll never teach you mm-hmm. what to do that's right. Mm-hmm. They'll only give you the information for what's wrong. Um, because as long as you're distracted and you're stuck in certain modes and you don't meditate or you don't plan or goal set or things of that nature, you can never be competitive in the business field. Right. You know, so you'll always be an employee and never an employer. You'll always be somebody's consumer and and never, never not the distributor. So, so, but those are all things I learned now. Correct. Me too. One of the most powerful things that was said to me by that gentleman Mm -hmm. was, you're fighting against yourself, not realizing that the system is winning. When I left, when I left and started really researching, the greatest book I ever read was Behold a Pale Horse. Mm. And it talks about uh, silent uh, weapons for quiet yeah, 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 When yeah. I read that and I started to really understand that like as many decisions as I thought I was making, uh-huh. I wasn't being proactive. I was being reactive. Right. So whenever a situation occurred that put me in a poverty situation, I would rely on my poverty stimulus. Right. Everything that poverty taught me. Mm. 
Mm. Oh, I need a bill paid? Yeah, this is what I was taught. If you commit a crime, it's all right because it's validated based on the fact that as a man, you got to protect and provide by any means necessary. Right. Right. So, so forget starting a business or investing. No, take that money and buy Jordans and a PlayStation. Correct, correct. correct. Go take yourself on a vacation because you earned you it. earned that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. These are the yeah, lessons. Yeah. So now that I'm in the position that I'm in, I teach our kids the opposite. Right now, right. save your money, build business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Un- unfortunately, what most people don't don't realize is traditional education. In our communities, it's not the same as traditional education in other communities. So true. In other communities, so kids are taught to be business owners. Right. In our communities, our kids are taught to be employees. No, They're taught how to recite information. Mm-hmm. They're taught how to answer yes or no. Mm-hmm. They're taught not how to critically think, mm-hmm. but they are graded on their ability to tell you back what you told, what you them. told them. How about how about they're also conditioned? To believe they're less than yes. in a lot of circumstances. Yes. That's when they're given labels. Yes. You know? And then on top of that, uh, like you said, the, the the they never teach them finances. They don't teach them the importance of saving. You look at many of our youth, I, myself included, and my mother, she was she's very smart, she's very intelligent. She taught me a lot about finances. Without my mom, I probably would have been lost in this world. But um, even with those insights. School never told me anything about a checking account, a savings account. They never showed me the importance of being able to create a budget. And these are all things that you really will have to do in life. So why aren't we attacking this instead of dissecting a frog? Like, when when am I going to ever need to dissect a frog? You know? So um, you also talked about a a book that you really enjoyed. Um, I know for myself, when I was incarcerated, I was reading the wrong books. I would say that I was reading uh, uh, the coldest winter ever. Uh, the good books, right, 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 right. Like forty-eight loads of power. You know, all of those sorts of books. Um, now, on the other side of that, some of the best books I've ever read was like uh, the the Millionaire Next Door. Um, you know uh, what, man? Now my, of course, I'm drawing a blank right now. But um, just some really good books. What are some other books coming out of that that have really shaped your mind and your life today? I read a lot of a lot of leadership books. Grant Car- Cardone, he's yeah, got yeah, he's got yeah, a lot yeah, going yeah, on right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also there's a series of books I cannot think of the author right now. But the in twenty one uh, laws of business. Okay. Uh, I cannot think of, I cannot think of these books, but they're a, they're 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 leadership books. Yes. And in any lot, any place you go to, as soon as you find one, you're going to see oh, the other 10. Nah, that's, and, and you know what? Honestly, I wanted to give our re- our listeners some books to look up, to read, and I'll, I'll get back to, I'll, I'll throw some in at the end. But I think the important messages in that is whatever it is you're looking to do, you can find it in a book. Absolutely. It's just like your peers. It's what you decide to engage in. And it's so for anybody who might be listening to this behind the walls or anything of that nature and you have time, this is the time now that you start to change your mindset and put that positivity and educate yourself on, on finances or whatever it is you're looking to do next. Don't just sit there and read the hood novels because that's just going to keep you in the hood mentality, you know? And so um, another uh, another thing that uh, you said that I'm going to highlight for our listeners is also the importance of becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. You're going to have to put yourself in situations like like Will said. He, he came home he, he came home and, and, and uh, he immediately started going the conferences and, and you know it was you feel overwhelmed at first yeah. and, and it's intimidating but at the same time 
being uncomfortable is what's going to allow you to grow. It takes you out your shell. Now I'm sure you go in those same rooms and you're confident as could be. You know? oh, yeah. Now it's put you in the room. Man. You know what I mean? Well, because what I figured out was a, a, a saying that, that I put together really over the last few years. There's some people when they walk into a room, they're validated by who's in the room. So if there's a bunch of smart people in the room, you feel smart because there's smart people in there. Right. But there's other people who validate the room they walk into. Mm, that's powerful. So, so, yeah, that's so powerful. when I when yeah. I was naive coming into the situation, if I walked into a room with powerful people, I immediately felt powerful. Right. But what did I do to deserve to be there? I was just invited because somebody else went. It wasn't that I had really done anything. I was just there. So, so that doesn't mean that I'm valid because the room I'm in, they're valid. Correct. No, that just means I'm sharing space. Mm. But when you walk into a room, when you validate, when you walk into a room and everybody stops, it looks and they're like, oh, that's the man. That's, that's, that's a difference. So when I walk into rooms yep. now, yep. that's the difference on the right. other end. Right, right. No, I agree. I agree. I'm not validated by the rooms I walk into now. I validate the rooms I go into. You come into. I come in and I add value. Mm, mm. And you know what? And so the, the weird thing about that is because it's so true, you add the value. But at one point, like you said, you were invited to the room. I was invited to the room. We were very humble. <laughs> and I think uh, a part of jail, prisons and dealing with institutions is when you come home, you start from the ground floor again. Right. So a lot of times if you were out getting money, doing whatever you're doing, you have to humble yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to become this new person if you want to avoid the same old thing. <laughs> so, um. You're out of jail now. Your life, you, you, you're home. You're out of jail. You're done with probation. Mm -hmm. uh, did my zone give you the job back? Yeah, they did give you the job they back. They gave me the job back. I worked there for. I worked there for another six months. Mm -hmm. um, I loved it. I was mm -hmm. very appreciative of the opportunity mm -hmm. until one of the members from Community Fathers, Hashem, he was the director of the Altamont program at the time. Mm -hmm. He saw me. And said to me, I got an opportunity for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the greatest thing that could ever happen was him giving me the opportunity because I went to that job. And what was said to me was, you'll never make a career out of this. You don't have a college degree. Mm. This is not, you know, mm. come make some money and then go about your right, life. Right, 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 right. And that was when I learned to turn my anger into motivation. Don't tell me what I can do, can and can't do. So don't. So at that point in time, because now I'm a new me, I'm a more mature me, I'm a different me. So where in the past that would have made me angry or depressed or maybe look down at the situation. All that did was it did something different. When I left that meeting, mm -hmm. the, the feeling I had was what? Right, right. What? Right, right. I'm gonna show you watch. Right, right, right. And and, and now I've been the director there for six years. Look at that. The, the, the same job there. that they told you you could you was same job. I, I lived everybody that was there before me. Took their spot. So now for me, I had to humble myself because you know, when I came home, I couldn't get a job. So I was working in temp agency. So I'm working temp agency to temp agency. Anyone who's never worked a temp agency, you know, it could be a build. Uh, it could be like working in a warehouse, whatever it usually is, though. It's especially with no college degree or anything. It's very minimal uh, labor induced work. And um, for me, I had to really humble myself because I was the guy who, you know, at one point used to come through with the nice cars with the rims and the chains and all oh, no, that. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, you were the fly guy. I remember. <laughs> but now I had to go from that to, you know, the guy making minimum wage, you know. And it was humbling because at that period of my life, I began to know who Trent is. You know, it was no more NBA. It was none of that. It was 
get rid of all of that yeah. and just dealing with the individual. And um, from that, and from me humbling myself, um, I was able to start to turn my visions into reality. And so with that being said, would you advise, what advice would you give to our listeners coming home or getting home or, or yeah, coming home or maybe they've been home for some time, but what would you tell them in terms of what humbling themselves might look like? And can you give them three benefits of being humble? Yeah. Three benefits of being humble for me, what I had to learn was is one, you get to understand your true sense of self. When, when you wearing that mask of pride and that false sense of ego all the time, you wearing this, most people wear it so long, they don't even recognize themselves when they have to take it off. So true. Which is why so they're true. more comfortable wearing it. So true. So true. When, when my mask came, I actually went through a process of walking into a cemetery and, and psychologically burying my street name. I called it, I called it the death of Esco. My wife and my best friend will tell you. I literally walked into a cemetery and had to go through a process of when I came out, mm-hmm. that name was dead. When I came out, mm-hmm. you were not allowed to call me that. You had to call me William. Mm-hmm. And my friends and family were so thrown off by that. Don't call me that. That's not my name anymore. That's not me. Right, 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 so in right. humbling, humbling myself in that aspect, I had to learn who I was again, what I liked. Yes. Because yes. I had given up so much of myself and trying to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and, and also in humbling myself, another benefit was is it allowed me to no longer be angry. You know what I'm saying? Because as long as I kept up that false sense of pride, it was very easy for me to portray anger on a regular basis. Really? But once I humbled myself, I therefore had to take accountability of my role and why I may be angry. Correct. Did I do something to you? Did you do something I don't agree with? Am I really even angry? Yes. So, so, so humbling myself allowed me to, to see a whole nother host of feelings because my immediate response for everything, as in most people's, mm-hmm. is I'm angry. Right. You try to play me, I'm angry. Right, 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 right. You hating on me, I'm angry. Right. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. And not really even identifying what it is that, you, that, that you're really feeling. So uh, opening myself to being humble is, and the third thing the benefit was is, and even to this day, my wife is what makes me humble. Mm-hmm. Because at all times she reminds me, William, you're not better than nobody else. These are conversations me and her have on a regular basis because it's very easy, even now, to forget where you come from. Yes, yes, definitely. I agree with you on that. But let's take a moment to uh, thank our sponsors. And now let's talk about the life you choose. So do you really believe we all control the narrative of our lives? A hundred percent. I've never more understood that than where I'm at right now in my life. And and, and I don't mean control as far as manipulate. I mean, everybody has a set of skills and interest, something that that makes them great. I, I, I have a couple of years ago, I made these T-shirts in which in what are called as greatness over hatred. And the reason why I came up with that is because I saw 
just a reoccurring theme of people using the words hate on social media. If you say, if you disagree with anybody about anything now, immediately their response is, well, you got hate. I'm hating you. And I'm like, Growing up, there was this was that was being honest. So, so if we was cool, if we was cool, your breath stank. Right, you was my bro. I tell you, like, yeah, bro, nah, facts, facts. fix that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but you say it to somebody now, oh, you hate it. Like, so, so it was so frustrating to me to be dealing with this new grade. Right, like, right, that, right. like I had to. It's, I found I couldn't directly attack it mm-hmm. because it was too strong. People are being force-fed hate on a regular basis through media, through TV, through through movies, Definitely. through the news. Definitely. Hate is being filtered. So, and how about through our communities? It's been from generations to yeah. generations to generations. It's generational. So I came up with the, with the shirts called Greatness Over Hatred, which means I choose to accept the greatness in you rather than take part of the hatred that's destroying our world. Wow. And in that, that gives me the freedom to understand that I have the ability to be great. But you do as well. And in that, we can never have any conflict. Even if we have a disagreement, nothing is personal. Correct. Because you have the ability to be great. However, the greatness is designed for your life. Correct. What business of mine is that? Mm. It's not. Mm. Same Mm. way, Mm. what business of yours is it for me to be great? It doesn't impact you at all. Correct. What you eat don't make me shit. Right? If anything, (laughs) if anything, the more of us that are great, we magnify that greatness off of each other. I would rather be sitting on, on a beach with six or seven of my friends, all of us looking back on life and and, 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 and the success and the achievements that we have reached than be sitting on an island by myself, rich, looking around like, wonder where everybody else is. Right, that's, a, that's a fact. That's a fact. So the more of us that are great, the better. So, so I absolutely believe 100% in, in the power of people and their potential to be great. That's why I created Five When They Talks podcast. Uh, the podcast and the show. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why mm-hmm. I created it. Mm-hmm. Because I see the greatness in people. With that being said, what are a few fair, uh, character traits that you can identify with yourself or even others that um, show that shows that we can, we all uh, can successfully control our own narratives? Resilience. When I look at people coming out of poverty, and, and 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 it can no more be shown than if you look at the resilience in our youth, mm. the domestic violence they go through in the homes, the crime, the violence, the gangs, the 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 the, the, the rapes, the drugs, the the everything that our kids are going through. For our kids to get up every day and still go to school, mm. that speaks volumes mm. to their resilience and their persistence. So the fact that they want something so true. They may not know how to get it yet, but they show up every day, every day. Every day. When I think about people in mm. poverty and I think mm. about our potential for greatness, I think about the fact that we challenge everything. Right. Don't just accept information because somebody said it. Right. The, the, the thing that drove people nuts about me was I would tell teachers, I don't care that you got that book. <laughs> um, where'd the book get information from? Right. I need to. Where's the source? Yeah, 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 yeah. You got a piece of paper that said you studied this. Yep, yep. But who wrote your curriculum? Right, 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 right. Yes. So, so, yes. so, so that, so that, so you know, so, so the resilience is one. The the challenging is another one for me. And then community. When 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 you when I think about our people, I think about a time where. If you got in trouble, you got 14 ass weapons before you got home. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think about the fact that, that if 
if you and your friend got in trouble in school, your friend's mom could come to school and chastise you. That is a fact. Even if your parents couldn't get there. Shoot, I remember one time my mother, when I was in eighth grade, I was wilding in school. She took the day off and popped up on me. And um, so she just popped up one day and she was like, I took the day off. Actually, I took the week off. And if you don't start behaving better in school, I'm quitting my job and every day I'll come to school with you. So um, she came to school, most embarrassing crap ever. But the um, beauty of it was my mom was checking all of the kids in the class, more so than the teachers were. All of those same kids to this day, they love my mom. Like my mom smacking them in the back of the head like, yo, what are you doing? You're not paying attention. Turn around. They listened to her. They needed that authority and they respected the authority probably because it was something that was lacking. You know what I mean? So I could definitely relate to that uh, wholeheartedly. So it's all about the community. We got to hold each other accountable and and we need to learn to police ourselves. That was one thing I learned in jail was this cops and robbers. And as the robbers, we need to police ourselves, keep the cops out of it. You know what I mean? Listen, that's exactly what we have to do. It's something we're lacking of right now. If, if nothing else, what's happened is, is they, they, they've turned us against each other mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, is we have to get back to, to having love. There was nothing more beautiful than community block parties. Facts. Everybody out Facts. the park, Facts. food, the dance, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Hide and go seek, yep. man. Yep. Uh, yep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just, just, just the love you felt and being. You know what I'm saying? Like, like even, pride in your in your community on on those days. Like, you know, those, those was big, 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 big events. Like, I don't even know how we got away from that. To be quite honest with you, like. How, how we don't have block parties. Why? I mean, I know in Albany uh, last year, they did a, a little block. Well, it was in the mm-hmm. park, um, which was a nice event. And I went and you could feel the energy, like the kids running around. We need more of that. We need more positivity in our community instead of people coming together only when someone gets shot and killed, you know? And so with that being said, though, what are some steps that you've taken to change the course of your life? Share with us. Accountability, accountability is one. You seem like you always been a stand up dude, though. I will say that. Yeah, know? yeah, but even even in that, it was taking accountability for for the for the destiny that was designed for my life. When 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 I was told that I was supposed to be a leader, because truth be told, and I tell everybody this, I never wanted to be. I never wanted to be nobody's leader. I never wanted to be on the news or in the paper. I never wanted none of that. It wasn't until my mentors told me. This is what you're supposed to be. That I begin to take my life and my decisions serious mm. because then mm. I understood I mm. can't just do anything. Mm. You know what I'm saying? My, my job is to create change for the youth and for the families in my community and for people that look like me to understand like, no, nah, your potential for greatness is real. So so my job is to seek out that energy and magnify it, not to make it about me because it's not, but to create opportunities for other people to see their their ability. The ability to be great. I agree with you, and I—I I mean, I, I know you. That's—I know that's something you do. Um, I know it's something that I'm very mindful of, myself included. I never—I always used to say, if we were Rockefeller, I wanted to be Kareem Biggs. I wanted to be the one in the background. Yeah. Nobody knew. <laughs> but um, in terms of leadership, you do have to at times put yourself out there and become the face of. Um, but I, I love the fact that the accountability is. The, the other thing was. I had to understand that I had to prove the system wrong. So in in the in the field that I work in, in human services, right? You don't get to be a director without a college degree or a KSAC or something like that. I don't have a college degree. And not because I didn't go to college, but when I went to college and Hudson Valley gave me that $5,500 check, 
I said, I'm about to be Scarface. I'm going to buy a pack. We all down. What? 55? I got the check. I thought it was a mistake, bro. I walked out of there and went right to price. Listen, I went to price job for cash. If you know where Hudson Valley Community College is, directly across the street, right? There's a price shop. Right, that's, a, that's where I went and cashed my check yeah, in. That's a fact, bro. And, and the thing was. <laughs> That's real. Is, is what I've had to understand is that even now, right? Is is I have to take everything that I do serious, and, and I have to be mindful. You see what I'm saying? Because when these opportunities are real, you have to take it serious. So, so everybody that told me you couldn't because you don't have a degree or you don't have this, you don't have that. Mm-hmm. I've won 24 awards in a three year span. I've won every award in New York State except for three. No, no, that's real. It's a whole, it's a whole fact. Mm. I've won twenty four awards in three years. Three and a half, four, three and a half, four. I don't know, three and a half, four. But outside of the Albany forty under forty review, the Schenectady County uh, Commission Human Rights Award, I've been nominated for five consecutive years. I've won almost every award in New York State except for three, maybe. That's real. And the thing was, is what's interesting is, is like. The beauty in what I've been able to do is I've been able to utilize my life experience to make up for a degree. So I've been in conversation with colleges about going back because I want to. Mm-hmm. And most colleges have told me, based on what you've done, your work, your experience, we would basically give you a degree. Right. You might come to two classes right. and hang out, write some essays <laughs> and eat some lunch. But um, you basically have a bachelor's degree. You're on the way to a master's right now because what people say is in the field, 10 years I would think you might got a got your doctrines at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and the good, the, you know, the interesting thing about it is just and having conversations with individuals who have gone through the education process. Uh, it's great to feel like uh, you know my level of education, my experience, the work that I've done is accepted. It's accepted mm. anywhere in conversation, and it gets me in a lot of rooms because people understand that. At one point, I was angry at myself because I felt like I wasted 15 years in the streets. Mm. And the thing was, mm. is I went through exactly what I was supposed to to get to where I'm at. And it wasn't until the last few years in conversation with my wife in which I was really able to accept that. You know, she said, William, you have a set of skills and experience and understanding that other people don't, which is what makes you effective. Yes, yes. I understand the people that I'm working with. So... <laughs> In, in the human services field, part of the, the, the ethics is you're not you're supposed to emotionally detach yourself from clients. Mm. And the mm. thing with me is, is because of my background, I can't emotionally detach right. because I was them. Mm. I have I've been incarcerated. Mm. I've been a drug addicted. I've been homeless. Almost all the things that, that these people have been through that I work with. I've been through. I can't emotionally detach. I care for the people that I work with, which is what makes me effective. Right. No, I agree with you. I think uh, I think that's essential. I tell people all the time, I think if you can empathize with somebody, then there's automatically a connection. So if I can if I've been through that same situation, I can relate to where you're at. I'm naturally going to want for what's best for you. I'm going to try my hardest to get you out of that sunken place, I would say. And so um, how, how, how important is it that people learn from their from their past and not make the same mistakes. um it, it's ext- it's extremely important and the reason i say that is because one of the greatest le- the greatest lesson i've learned is that 
I don't know as much as I thought I did. <laughs> and I'm always learning. Meaning, and the reason why I'm saying that is because growing up in poverty, what you're taught by the system is that the issues in the world are black and white. It's black versus white. You know what I'm saying? Black people versus white people. That's what you're taught. Um, it's police versus black people. Uh, you know, the man is sitting in the chair somewhere and he's pressing all the buttons against your life. Now, it's not to say that there isn't a system of systematic oppression in place. There is. Correct. But it's also not saying I'll never give so much power to that to say you're not going to beat me. No, that's a fact. Because and, and this that's is what fact. this gentleman was trying to tell me mm-hmm. on the way out to jail was was you have the mind and the tools to beat this. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I'm only understanding now. He's like, you know now. Yeah. So when yeah. you walk, when you walk out this door, right, so you. you can't blame nobody else. Yeah. Yeah. So now at this point in my life, I no longer have those barriers. Right. I don't look at anybody that's a different color than me and say to myself, oh, you know, you had it easier than me. Whether you did or you didn't, that's not my plight in life. Yeah. If you did, you did. If you didn't, you didn't. Yeah. At the end of the day, Whatever, whatever your your job is, or whatever happened to you, or how you got where you at, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can't say no. Outwork me. That's it. That's where yeah, we yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah, you yeah, can yeah, say yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you you yeah, can yeah. have all the yeah. resources. You can have all yep. the degrees. Yep. But at the end of the day, you're not gonna outwork me. Nah, and it. that was the thing I had my entire life yes. that I never that realized. you didn't identify with. Never identify. Mm. I, my friend, I had friends that played professional basketball. Was I as good as them as a kid? No. But did I hang with them? Right. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had friends who played football. Yeah, yeah. Was I as big as them? No. Was I as fast as them? No. But would I work my tail off? Absolutely. That's right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Will Smith said uh, one time I was watching him, he said, you know, I don't consider myself more talented than anybody else. He said, but what I will say is I have a rigorous like a ridiculous yeah, yeah. And he said, so one thing is, we get on this treadmill together, you're going to get off first. Yeah. Or I'm going to die on oh, this yeah. treadmill. Absolutely. And I can relate to that. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. It is. See me in the field. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so so it, it, that that's to be said for all those individuals listening in, you know, the importance of hard work. Like, that, that that's the underlining thing. No matter what it is you're trying to do, whatever it is your goals are, you're going to have to work. And if you take that mentality that no one's going to outwork you, then you can make whatever you can make the life you choose. You will be re- controlling your narrative. So now um, I know you do a lot of work with the youth. Um, would you like to just elaborate a little bit for our listeners so they can know exactly what you do and um if if you know how they could get in contact be a part of support etc <laughs> yeah well um i am the the executive director i run three nonprofit organizations at once at, which is absurd i'm <laughs> 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 um, at, um, at once the coco house which is an after school program mm-hmm. uh we work with youth from the in, from the community um, mentorship, after school, life skills. Um, I'm actually, I wrote a curriculum to teach them business as well. I'm working on getting that copywritten. Um, I'm also the director of, go ahead. For the Cocoa House, are there volunteers? How can people volunteer? How can yeah, people we're, always, we're always looking for volunteers. You, um, you can reach us on Facebook at the Cocoa House. Um, that's the easiest way to send a message on there. We're always looking for volunteers from the community, from the schools. We don't turn anybody away because I feel like everybody has a skill or something to bring when it comes to these kids. Something I understand is 
And me being a leader and working with youth, it's my job not to design anything. It's my job to create the situation in which they have access to everything. It's, it's not for me because what happens as adults, mm-hmm. selfishly, we put our, ba- our barriers Definitely. on 100%. the youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, because, yep. because they're innocent, they're pure. So we put our issues, our barriers on them. That's not my job. My job is not to dictate what the world is to them. It's to let them know that they can create anything. And so in doing that, I have to bring all the crayons in the box to the table for them. No, I gotta bring the whole 64 <laughs> right, color right, right, right. crayon set to the box for them to pick and choose which Absolutely. colors they need to use to create the picture of their life. That's, that's beautiful. I love that. I, I definitely love that. Oh, so what are the yeah. other two? Um, the Altamont program where I'm the director there. It's a homeless shelter mm-hmm. and a parole program where I work with men. Um, and, and it was women as well coming out of incarceration. What program is that? That's on Dwayne Avenue. That's a homeless shelter. Oh, both of those are underneath the same thing? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The role and yep, everything? Yep. Oh, under, under, the, under the same umbrella. Um, I've been there for eight years. Um, and what I do there is I just assist people with getting their lives in order. One of the main things is just the, is, is letting them know that regardless of their situation or what their, what, the, what their label is, that label don't make them. So regardless of you being a felon doing five to 10 years, you can still come home, you can get a job, get a bank account, start your own business, buy a house, buy a car, get married, have kids, retire. You can still do all those things. And and, and I'm able to do that because my experience is real for them. So the language makes sense when I'm speaking to them. No, you're right. That's so, I do a lot, as you know, also, especially with kids, but um, not as much, nearly as much. And my kudos and hat goes out to you and everyone else who's involved with these children because they need us. Like, And that's why I do volunteer as much as I do. But I also do a, a lot with in terms of uh, the, the criminal justice. Yeah. Because as you like, we know that's something that cut dear to me. And um, like we said earlier, I'm always pushing the narrative. You cannot allow other what other people think of you to be your reality. That's not your reality. And it's very important that we continue to let these individuals know coming home, like, you know, they can do anything. I think it's very important when they see someone like yourself, someone like myself, who wore the same county oranges and the same state greens and the same core craft mm-hmm. products. And today we're doing we're on the opposite end of that. Today they can open the newspaper, see yourself, yeah. see myself. And when they could see that, I think they can see themselves. That, so that gives hope. That has been one of the most satisfying things. Is when you have somebody who has been incarcerated for 10 or 15 years mm-hmm. and you haven't been in contact with them. One of the hardest things for me when my friends got arrested was for me to keep in contact with them. Part of it was because I felt like I should be there. Mm. The other part of it was I don't know what to say. You know, so I went years without talking to people I grew up with that were incarcerated because a piece of me was angry at them. Like, you got caught and I'm out here. I didn't want to be out here. I'm out here because we was out here. And now to get up in there. So then I get letters from people or phone calls and they're like, bro, I just seen you on the news, bro. I got your news clippings all over the cell. and, And then it goes back to that, like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Like. Like this whole time for you, I, I I was in this depression where I didn't feel like my life mattered and it did, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was it was just kind of really the space I'm in, which is why through my, my other program, my organization, Save Our Streets, right. I created something that was real to me. Um, 
my wife and my brother have been absolutely amazing. Save Our Streets, acronym SOS. It comes from exactly what we grew up in. So it was only right for me to take something that people thought was a negative and make it a positive. So when I had the opportunity to create my own business, it was only right. My give back for everything that I did. I tell people all the time, I'm rebuilding the community I personally helped destroy. Which the, the book that I'm writing right now is called Block to the Boardroom. Because we can live in their world. They can't live in ours. We've gone from the block. We've gone from the cells. We've gone from the streets. Now we're sitting in the boardrooms. We're sitting on councils. We're sitting in seminars. Not only are we sitting in them, we're hosting them. We're speaking. We're running them. We are the people that are on stage. We can live in their world. They can't go to them blocks. They can't live in ours. That's a whole fact. And that is really the power of our lives in which... That's the leadership capacity that this general was telling me that I had. And I never knew because I was letting people rob me of my destiny right. because they couldn't see greatness in themselves. They didn't want to see it in me because I always seen it in myself. Right. But that light, that energy was too much for people. And even now, because of the space I'm in, I'm, not, I'm no longer mad at people about that. I used to be angry about like, Why would you try to rob me of my destiny? You know what? That's not my right to be mad because whatever God's working on, whatever's going on in your life, it's not my business. It's, it's for me to be here in a position to be here for you when you ready, because you deserve it. You ready. Yes. When you ready. Yes, yes, yes. So so in that, I had to get outside my feelings and stop taking everything personal because everything wasn't personal. Some people are conditioned. They just in a negative space because of the way the world's conditioned. Yeah, it ain't got nothing to do with you. It ain't got nothing to do with me. No, I agree with you on that. So I just got to be in a space and what I love about it is that I'm in a position to help people when they're ready for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think you're doing a wonderful job. Let me say that. You're definitely, like I said, with the kids, the youth, killing it. Um, even on, on the local level, the 518 Speaks, it was a blessing. And, and I was honored to be a part of that. I'll actually be, be the first speaker. Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and, but, I, I mean, you, met, you made mention of the book. You're working on a book. You have the 518 Talks. You have the Coco House. You have the uh, SOS, um, Save Our Streets. Uh, what's What else is next? The Altima program. The Altima and, program. And I'm working with a, a group of individuals called Wolfpack Wealth Group. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is we're creating opportunities for individuals coming out of the community to fund their own business ideas. So, so that next change of leadership is now giving back wealth to those that have been in poverty for generations, changing generational poverty. Mm. That's, what, that's what's next. That, that's what needs to be next. Mm -hmm. and so, I, 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 again, I commend you. Bro, you touched on so many great things in closing. I just want to say, I mean, you talked about how we are all we have. You All we have is us, you know. You talked about being becoming uncomfortable, becoming comfortable being uncomfortable, putting yourself in just situations in which you can grow you touched on the brain the mindset how important it was for you to how, how the shift came you were able to shift yourself and see yourself in a positive life after shifting yourself to a negative light um you, you mentioned meditation the importance of that as well as reading how important reading is to us um and so i again uh the the uh Another thing you highlighted on being humble, you know, uh, how important it is that we are humbled. Uh, you, and by doing so, you were able to release the anger, this false anger that you had built up inside of you. Mm -hmm. And um, and then lastly, you know, I just love how you talked about just being accountable, accountable for your own life and controlling your own narrative. Mm 
So, uh, my friend Will, you you are a true leader. Um, you are a real prison boss, a penitentiary boss. You turned your situation around. Uh, I want to say thank you. Thank you and, and keep inspiring because you inspire me. The books that I want people to check out, Stephen R. Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Check that book out. Um, thank you for having me. Also, where can they find you? Oh, they can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Everything is everywhere. My wife says I got too many social media accounts. Uh, <laughs> I, I convince her that it's all marketing and branding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's about. That's what it's about, man. So, now, thank you again, Will. We really, really appreciate it, man. And just keep keep shining your life on your light on the world, man. Appreciate you, bro. You can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us, and we really do appreciate that. Uh, we also like to say thank you again to William. Man, such a great story. Where do I start? But really, the things that I took from it, the things that I relate to, the things that correlated deep with me, uh, was really the process of killing the old Jew. Um, we all have a younger version of us, and then we have an older version of us as we grow and mature. And one thing that William said that really stuck out to me was when he went to the graveyard and he buried Esco. The death of Esco and the, and the rebirth of William. And we all have to have the death of the old us and the, and the reoccurrence of the new us. Um, then also when he talked about change, you know, we all have the ability to change. It's a mindset thing. It's something that you got to want to do. Um, but change is inevitable and it's important that we all continue to grow and change into a better version of who we are today. Another thing he really talked about that I am a true believer of is the power of words and the importance of speaking things into existence. The importance of taking certain words out of your vocabulary. For instance, can't is a word that will not be used in my household because there's nothing that you can't do except for try. That's what I tell my children. And um, it's something I really believe in. So uh, just the power of the words, the power of saying, you know, what you want to do, putting that out into the universe and then going out there and, and executing. And then uh, lastly, the power of the brain. You know, it's so important that we value our brain and what we put into our brain. And I think William's story speaks to this at such a level. And it's so important that we all realize, you know, anything in this universe started in, in the brain. So your thoughts, the things that go on in your head, it all starts there. And then you can take those thoughts from outside of your brain and turn it into a reality. So again, we really, really thank you for joining us for another episode of Prison Bosses. We would ask that you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Tag is Prison Bosses. Same for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube. Subscribe, like, follow us at prison bosses also for any individuals who have some topics that they would like to hear us discuss if you have any questions for the law library which is a new segment on the show um that you would like us to look into the to, to answer for you feel free to send all of those inquiries to trent which is t-r-e-n-t at prisonbosses.com that's trent at prisonbosses with the s.com we again appreciate you, and it's always beautiful when you go from jails and institutions to being your own boss.